Welcome to Get Rich Without Being a Bitch. This is the place to hear real and raw conversations about what it takes for female entrepreneurs to achieve financial success and live a rich life. I'm Vanessa Shaw, author of The Million Dollar Question and your hostess for this podcast. Jarrett Ransom, welcome to our podcast, Get Rich Without Being a Bitch. I am super excited about the conversation we're about to have today. Uh, but just so that our audience knows who they are listening to today, um, honestly, you're, you've been a client. I consider you a friend, an amazing woman in our local community. You are the CEO and founder of The Raven Group and also known as The Nonprofit Nerd. And you'll probably even, for those people, if you're listening and you may miss this, but if you watch on YouTube, you'll probably see Jarrett actually grabbing a pair. <laughs> of spectacles, right? Her nonprofit nerd spectacles, which part of her sig signature system there. And I know that for you, you've, you've really dedicated most of your career now to the nonprofit sector, whether it's personal and on the professional side. And we're gonna dive into that a little bit more, but some core beliefs as well that you have around role modeling, that more philanthropic behavior and serving the community at a higher level and something that you, you your own son, how old is he by the way now? He's getting older. He's in now. I know, I can't oh believe gosh. it. He's still little in my mind. So, you know, <laughs> he's grown up in this and you really believe, you know, strongly in role modeling that. But first and foremost, I wanna say A, welcome to the podcast. And Let's just dive in, right? Uh, I want to really kind of dive straight into what, first and foremost, why you chose to serve the world of philanthropy and nonprofits. Like, why build your business around that? Great question, uh, Vanessa. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic. You know, I really by default landed in the nonprofit space. So my mom was really big on volunteerism. And so as a young child, she had my brother and I both really involved in our community. I also grew up in a really small town. So I resonate when you do your workshops and I've seen your photos, Vanessa, of like where you grew up, right? It's like, yes. Our childhood, I believe, plays a really big role in our stories and our futures and what we want to do and, and who we want to be when we grow up, right? And so living and growing up in a really small town community, I found a lot of those commonalities and values of that environment in the nonprofit sector. So it really kind of felt like home. It felt mm -hmm. like the nonprofit sector cared about me genuinely as a person, you know, as a mom, as a well more than, than, you know, an employee. And so I really just loved the culture that the nonprofit sector provided. And so I just decided, you know what, this feels right. Like I said, it feels like I'm at home. Um, and I just feel so honored and blessed to work in so many different organizations around our community, uh, not just local, national, international. And um, it's such a blessing to see the good 
that is really happening in our world. Mm. Oh my gosh, that gives me goosebumps because yes, I, I do agree. We, we actually need to see, you know, more good that's actually yes. happening in the world. But there's something actually that you did, I think that you said that it's really important, especially for women business owners that are tuning in. Something that, as you know, uh, through our work in the Business Growth Academy, we've worked together is that finding, right, that match of ideal clients. What we oh, yes. refer to them as champagne clients. And that everybody has that place, right? Where they're gonna land and feel whatever their version of feeling like they're coming home or you know, feeling that they're getting loved and welcomed right back from the clients that they're serving. And for me, that's the core of everything that we can do because when you really resonate with your audience, um, you, you enter into these partnerships with them, it can just be so powerful in terms of growing and scaling a business. And, Hey, when I first knew you, you were a single mom, you know, side hustling it, scrappy, like pulling oh it all gosh. together. And now here you are, this kind of, you know, rock star in the nonprofit world, as you say, claiming, you know, inter not only just local, national and international under your belt, but let's, as you say, it wasn't always that way, right? Oh, no, it wasn't oh, no. always that way. And when I met you, Vanessa, and I remember we sat at the end of this table of a networking dinner, and I was not in a good place. I was literally in that faking it moment. You fake it until you make it. Yes. And that's where I was. You know, I, um, I have my own money story. And to work through barriers and to work past those kind of like old tapes and old recordings, it took a lot of work and it wasn't overnight. In fact, I, I love to say this. Someone said to me the other day, it's like you're an overnight success. And I'm like, that was a 20 year overnight that you just referenced. Like it wasn't overnight. It was a long haul. You're seeing it with a different perspective and lens. So thank you. But let me tell you, I have definitely been in the trenches. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And you're like, you're, you're seeing me now, like the place where it's starting to catapult, right? And really gain momentum. So let's right. go back to that. What was, I mean, what was your own money story? I mean, again, you know, I think you've got a fascinating backstory in terms of, as I say, really turning things around, but where did you start from? Oh my gosh. Humble beginnings, very humble beginnings. You know, I mentioned my childhood, the community in which I grew up, um, very modest family, right? Very um, just blue collar workers. Both my parents were entrepreneurs. So if you've heard any of my other talks before, and it might've been in a previous uh, even discussion with you, Vanessa, I joke and say, I know exactly what it's like to to live in an entrepreneurial home where you're eating steak one month and spam the next, right? Like <laughs> it is a roller coaster and it's sometimes really unpredictable. Well, just in that fashion on that roller coaster, right? I found myself about 10 years ago now, um, you know, really at rock bottom with finances, with confidence, with clarity, with you self-esteem, you name it. I was just not at the top of my game. Um, I did find myself on food stamps and any other government support safety net that exists. I don't say that to brag and you know this, right? But it's mm. like, I say it to, to demonstrate that you too, anyone who's listening to this can honestly get through whatever obstacle that is in your way. Um, and you're right, Vanessa, like I went from scrapping and hustling and grinding to, I said yes to every potential client. And let me tell you, there was not champagne clients 
in my portfolio at that time. Yeah, so interesting, isn't it? And you know, and you just say food stamps, but let's go back to that moment, right? That's not something that I have personally experienced, right? So I, I have no idea of what that was like, but what was it? A, I mean, a couple of the perhaps, you know, leading up that actually led you to that moment. And then what, where was your mindset in terms of turning around from that? Because I think that's a place where, you know, a, bad things happen to good people, right? For whatever happens. But for me, it's all about what's the turnaround? Where, where is the thinking that helps us like dig ourselves back out okay. and not only get to a place of surviving, which is obviously one stage of it, like you had an amazing turnaround story where you are absolutely thriving and really living life and business on your terms. So it's not that you just got ahead and did okay. I mean, your life looks very different today, but yeah, take us back to that moment. Well, first of all, thank you uh, for, for recognizing and honoring that I am very much a goal oriented person, right? So if I need to secure X, you better believe I am out there busting my booty to get X plus Y <laughs> yeah. because I want to make sure that I have additional resources. You know, it really started, I will say I was working one full-time job. So I had one single income. I was head of household, um, much younger at that time, economic crisis of 2009 happened. And so I was asked to lay off my team at that time. I was working for a $21 million operating nonprofit. So for those of you just in reference, that's a really big organization. Um, most nonprofits are probably under 3 million. The majority of our nonprofits are under that. So to be with a $21 million operating nonprofit was a really large organization and entity. So I laid off my team. It was really hard to do. Six months later, I was laid off. Um, and then several months after that, I found myself pregnant, blissfully mm -hmm. pregnant. Um, however, not really knowing what the future um, was going to hold. Right. So I was I would you stack all of those kind of challenges on top of one another. I was overwhelmed. It was during an economic crisis. I didn't know which end was up some days. I also joke and say like, pizza and wine was my best friend because that was like, I would talk to my pizza and my wine. Like, how do I get through today? Yes. How do I get through tomorrow? And um, it, honestly, I was using my food stamp card at the grocery store. And it's not for those of you that are unfamiliar. I'm, I'm grateful that you are. And I hope that you stay that way. Um, I literally was using my debit card, which is a food stamp card that the government issues you at the grocery store. And it was like I heard this voice and it was the internal like competitive voice that I have, right? Because I'm so goal oriented. And I heard this voice inside of me say, you can get beyond this. You can do this. And I literally was like, who said that? <laughs> it was that clear to me, Vanessa. Um, some people might say it was like the voice of God, you know, yeah. but I heard this voice inside of me so clear. And it was literally that moment at the checkout counter, buying my groceries with food stamps. That was the switch that I immediately transitioned from victim mentality right? Because I was still very much in that victim mentality. How did I get there? How did this mm. happen to me? Why? Turning that into survival. I can mm -hmm. do this. I know I can do this. 
that took, you know, again, it's not overnight. It's not blink your eyes and wow, now you're thriving. So I stayed in that survival mentality, but grateful to be out of the victim um, and just continued to stair step, right? I stair step my confidence, my clarity, my self-esteem. I worked with amazing coaches and mentors like yourself to really build sustainable models and processes to grow my business as well as my mindset. Mm, I think that's so key. And I actually remember, thank you for sharing that because again, I remember what the time when we met, there's a, there's a, actually there's a funny story, right? Kind of a backstory is because I remember meeting you and I actually, the truth is I was really impressed by you. Um, I think you, you were a single mom at that time and, and my hat off, you know, as somebody that had two kids, my kids were obviously older than yours, married and had that bigger support system. I just had so much admiration for this woman that was there hustling as a single mom. For me, that was just, you know, again, so outside of my own experience. Um, and so we were connected for a while. And then unbeknownst to me, you had unsubscribed like from my mailing list. And thankfully, yeah. I, I discovered by the way, side note that, you know, if you're in business for yourself, you should never ever look at the unsubscribes from like, you know, social media or mailing lists or anything like that. Because, you know, I would just like, I, I would focus on two people unsubscribing as opposed to the, you know, 10 yeah. new ones that came through. Yeah. It matters with your psyche. So yeah, don't, don't pay attention to the unsubscribes. Yeah, exactly. Don't pay attention. Uh, and in fact, you and I kind of, you know, we circle back round again. And that's when you said to me, you said, listen, I unsubscribed because what you were teaching back then just wasn't, you know, relevant, resonating. Yeah. And here you were in those early stages of like serving nonprofits and actually helping them to be more, let's say business-like, right, in their, in their operations. And that's when you said to me, you said, I need some help because I've kind of figured it out this far. <laughs> but that's I, right. I I have, I don't know how to take it to the next level. Like, how am I going to package up what I do and like really turn this into this thriving business? And I love, thank you for addressing that, Vanessa, because, you know, I'm not embarrassed by that or I wouldn't have shared it with you, but I was like, hey, I unsubscribed because what you were saying at that time, it didn't speak to me, right? Like something about it just wasn't resonating. And clearly, I mean, I know, and I'll call it out. It was me. It was me that wasn't ready for what you were offering. It was me that didn't have mindset, didn't have the, the, the dedication to commit to that time. Right. And then lo and behold, a message came through, I have no, how it broke the barrier, <laughs> but I never right, that's the message and it landed totally different. And I, I knew I was ready for you. I knew I was ready for that next step. Um, and so again, just to pay attention to those signals that, you know, I, I did, I reached out, I attended one of your events and I signed up right away knowing that I was ready for that next level. So important, isn't it? Right. You know, yeah. we can hear the same, same thing, same words, and the chances are yeah. I probably didn't say it any differently. And as you say, all of a sudden we're in a different place. So we worked together and I kind of want to shift the attention to actually the work that you're doing in nonprofits, because I think that's just a really important part of the mindset, especially for this podcast. So we embarked on a journey of working together to scale up your business and your operations, right, so that you could serve more people. But now let's shift that focus to the nonprofit world, because I do remember at the time, and this is like really key when we talk about ideal clients, that part of your mindset back then was, well, there's no way that nonprofits 
will pay these types of fees, Vanessa. Kind of like, Vanessa, you're insane. That works with your business clients. It's not gonna work over here. And what are some of the, you know, again, some of the limiting beliefs that you've worked through, but equally so, how have you actually helped nonprofits think differently? Because you're actually having to, you know, through expanding your own mindset, you're having to help them to think very, very differently. Yes. So that they can, right, generate the funds and do everything that they want to do to get their mission out in the world in a bigger way. Absolutely. You know, first of all, I was playing too small. That's what I, that was my level of self-esteem is I was working with, you know, the startup organizations, the ones that were very small organizations. Um, so essentially that means that they have not put, you know, some business practices in place to scale at their potential. So I was still working with organizations that, you know, had a very small operating budget, probably even 500,000, like below 500,000, mm -hmm. which is really small for, for organizations, for nonprofits. So my first thing was to identify, you know, what are the champagne clients? Who do I seek to serve and how do I align with them? Um, so I, I started really addressing, um, identifying and attracting, and I'm going to add retaining now, you know, yes. to some of these champagne clients and looking at the higher level organizations that have an increase, they already have an increased budget. So they have the resources to invest in someone like me and the services I offer. Secondly, I shed some services that really didn't align with who I am and how I wanted to continue my business. So these services that I shed, Vanessa, were really kind of those, uh, I don't even know what to call them, but they were, they were transactional and they were easy to get. And so it was, you know, organizations needed me and, and my team for these services, but they didn't fulfill me. They weren't, you know, something that I love doing every day. Um, and so it really became more of, a challenge than like something that I was really championing for my team. So I decided to rip the bandaid and say, I no longer offer these services. So I really shifted my services almost overnight. That is something that I did almost overnight. Yes. Um, and so really be becoming clear on my methods. Also, I just want to say, before we go on, because I do remember this, because this is in our work together, because yes. I think this is really important for people to hear. Um, a, these were services that were actually easy to come by. You were known for that back then. And if this was like the bread and butter of your business, right? It was um, by it, far. This was not, you know, one-offs. And as you say, so it's bread and butter to the business. It mm -hmm. was really services that were just not lighting you up, not joyful, mm -hmm. not fulfilling. So for me, that's that really courageous step when we really want to claim what we want to go for is it's easy to, it's easy to say no to something that's not working, mm -hmm. but to actually rip the bandaid off of something that actually is working and it was working on paper and you actually had a team fulfilling on it and you know money coming into the bank. I think, again, it takes a lot of courage. And then let's go to the next step of like, what was on the other side of doing that? Oh my gosh, the pot of gold. Right? <laughs> the pot of gold was on the other side. And you're right. I mean, it was courageous because I basically let go of 90% of my 
clients because it was a service line that no longer resonated. So when I shed that service line and made the decision, lo and behold, what showed up more of those service opportunities that gave me the opportunity to practice. No, we're not taking Mm -hmm. these. Right. So that showed up immediately. As soon as I put that word or voice out into the universe. Um, So then what showed up was again, my competitive drive and my goal oriented self. I have to figure this out. I have to figure out where I'm going to uh, recover those, you know, revenue opportunities, um, really dig into what is it that does fill me up, right? What makes me happy? What is it I love to do? And how do I get paid to do that? Um, How do I, you know, evolve a service that I've had, but I haven't really had a lot of buyers. So, you know, I really did that with increasing my clarity, my systems, my methods and process into, you know, driving those services to that next level. Yeah, I think there was also a member of conversation again, so important for other people to, you know, hear this today, because in that moment, there were values that you used for that decision-making process. I remember that conversation around what you really wanted in terms of building this new business. Do you remember what they were back then? Oh gosh, you might remember them more. I feel like I've gone through this, you know, uh, transformation of into a chrysalis and then a butterfly into a chrysalis. I know, right? But it was something, and again, I'm kind of thinking out aloud now, but there were things that you wanted, but freedom was one of them. Oh yeah, freedom, flexibility, and travel. There you go. That was it. Okay. Yeah, those have always been core values for me, freedom, flexibility, and travel. And that was the thing is you were, you were very clear. You were like, Vanessa, you know, I know I want this. I want to have, you know, these experiences with my son. Um, Back then the dream was to find an old yellow school bus. (laughs) It still is one of these days. It still is. But I know that, you know, since you've been renovating caravans and all sorts of things and going off, you know, in the camping with your son and everything, but that was very core to what you wanted. Now, back then you had no idea of how you were actually gonna go get to there. But as you say, it was like reverse engineering, you know, what are your services? Who are the people that you really want to work with that resonate the most? That's gonna enable you to live the lifestyle that you really want to be living. Absolutely. And right now my vintage camper trailer is just outside my window and my brand new forerunner is parked in the driveway to tow it. (laughs) There you go. I mean, it's just, you know, like making it happen. Yeah. Some of the stats, because I know you actually said, you know, there's some, there's some really important stats that you were looking into around this, you know, the area of women and women in philanthropy. Right. You know, when it comes to your title um, for the episode, and again, I share with you, and I know we all have a money story, right? And so for me to work through my barrier of my own money story was, well, you know, I am deserving. I do value myself at a certain price point. And I'm even willing to stretch that, you know, as I go. And so I just wanted to share too, with all of you, with the women, you know, watching and listening, it's a good thing to money. It's a good thing to increase your assets and your wealth. And uh, the statistics, yes, Vanessa, do show that women are much more philanthropic than men. And that is what I've been able to demonstrate. And I am so passionate about, you know, demonstrating philanthropy to my son, right? And so it's modeling that, that once you break through this barrier, 
then the world literally is your oyster. And how do you want to serve? How do you want to show up? How do you want to, you know, share in that wealth for things that are really important to you? And it's not a bad thing, right? It's, it's actually really good. So one of the stats I wanted to share is honestly, the rise in women philanthropy is now, it is happening. Um, so you might wanna say like, why? Why is the rise in women philanthropy now? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, one, a lot of women are increasing the control of the financial pie, right? So many more women are working, more women are self-sustained, more women um, really do make a lot of those financial decisions. Secondly, um, the most of us, most of women inherit twice. We inherit from our parents and we inherit from our partner or spouse. So that adds an, an additional layer of asset and wealth management, making us really powerful when it comes to philanthropy. Hmm, I love it. I always learn so much myself on my own <laughs> podcast, right? But it's, it's true. I've never thought about it like that. Yes. And and as you said, I mean, I know for work, it's one of the reasons I'm such an advocate, you know, for women in business, you know, women building a, their own financial security so they can really stand on their own two feet. And obviously in our world, that's through the, the vehicle of their business. Mm -hmm. And again, knowing that when women do better, like communities do better. That's right. And right. there's simply more, you know, there's more to give women, uh, you know, and you know, when I was back, to, you know, back in the day of doing live events and pre COVID and everything, there wasn't one woman that wouldn't be in that room that would, you know, that wanted to be, feel, be and feel more generous. And they all had something, right, that was close to their own hearts that they would actually want to, you know, give, give back to. And obviously, you know, financial, you know, if we've got financial security, if we've got, you know, more coming to us, we can write checks. One thing, though, that you were saying, which I think is really interesting, just before we, we had to start the recording, because we, like, we were already like going deep into this, is, of course, finances are really important in the nonprofit world. They've got budgets, things cost money. And equally so, nonprofits are looking for great talent, right? Great talent and energy. And you were just sharing as well that when women, you know, stop being so kind of busy, and like stuck in the weeds of their day to day, it not only means that they've got more money to donate, but they've also got that time, energy and talent. That's right, that's right. And we call it um, in the nonprofit sector, we call it time, talent and treasure, right? So oh. you have the ability to give more of your time to organizations. Maybe you wanna serve on their board. Maybe you wanna lead their women in philanthropy initiatives. Um, maybe you just want to consult with them on a pro bono or some kind of a sliding scale basis. You now have the opportunity to choose how you show up and how you spend your time, right? Um, and then talent is again, like maybe you are an amazing bookkeeper and CPA and you want to serve the organization by being their CPA, right? This is something that you want to give your personal talent or talent and then treasure is the financial resources so time talent and treasure are three ways that anyone can give not just women um, but we are really seeing this rise in philanthropy absolutely because of that and I think it's interesting so not only do women give um, more of their wealth more of their assets over you know our, our male uh, counterpart is we tend to give to more 
organizations. So we are spreading our wealth. We are spreading our assets um, by giving to multiple charities, multiple organizations. Men tend to give to a select few while women tend to like sprinkle their wealth around the community and things that speak uh, to them. And so I think that's another really, really cool thing to share um, when it comes to just trending, like what's trending philanthropy and how are we different from our male counterparts? I love that. And I even just love the notion, as you said, of sprinkling our wealth, right? It makes yes. it really fun. I think about some of those things that, as I say, close to my own heart, right? There are places that I do want to donate regularly, um, organizations that are here locally as well that, you know, just really, really resonate. There are going to be things internationally that resonate. And actually one of the things, Jarrah, I love to do is kind of my spontaneous donations, right? And that could be somebody, you know, all of a sudden I find out it's a woman in need somewhere or, you know, perhaps somebody that I knew in my past that all of a sudden hit a really, there was a tragedy or hit a hard time. Mm -hmm. There's there's a donation I want to do. Um, somebody that I know, she's down in Australia, they're raising money. Her daughter is going through leukemia right now. And um, for me, when you talk about that sprinkling that wealth, it, I mean, it resonates with actually the way I'm approaching it myself, because nice. I personally love to, of course, have certain commitments, you know, and certain goals that I'm setting for myself around philanthropy and really personally enjoy being able to just look out for those opportunities where I can just be part of, and it may be anonymous, by the way, you know, completely right. anonymous, right? But of just helping somebody in that moment of need. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it feels so good, right? It feels really, really good to be able to pay it forwards. That is one of the things that also shifted my mindset going from, you know, surviving to thriving is when I felt the fear of financial failure kind of creeping in. And I would notice that like, what is happening? What is this feeling? And it was the mindset of scarcity. The mm. first thing I that is to make a nominal donation to an organization. I would shift my message to the universe from scarcity to abundance. So I'm not saying you have to give, you know, like a thousand dollar check. It could literally be $20, right? It could be something tangible. It could be an in-kind um, item or donation to someone. It doesn't have to be me, but that when I, when I, and I notice like a sense of scarcity is, is creeping into my sphere, right? It's like, no, no, I, I feel it. I recognize it. And then I do something about it to counteract like the intention of that feeling. Mm. And so that is one of, one of my practices, right? And it change, changes over time. I'm very grateful that I'm a donor, not only to my alma mater, I'm actually, they're a client of mine now. So I have gone full circle going back to my undergrad, um, you know, as a, a bachelor's in arts in South Carolina to not only am I working with them, I'm also able to share in my abundance to other potential students that are going to my same, you know, college and university that I graduated from. Um, and some of this I do, I love that you said, Vanessa, it doesn't all have to be public. Like it does not have to be public. This is a personal feeling, a personal, you know, altruistic kind of fuzzy um, feeling that we get to have. And I do love to show my son these opportunities. 
And again, it could be $10. It could be a sandwich to someone that we, you know, see at a streetlight. Um, there's so many different ways to do that. But I think women and philanthropy, so it's a hard word to say, yes. you know, we're really good at demonstrating to our children, uh, to our family and to others, because this is such a core belief. It is such a core belief for women to show up and to be of service to others. And so that's why I'm really big into not only the work I do professionally, but how I show up personally to be of service and to demonstrate civic engagement with my son in tow. Like he sees this and, and I love when I get to take him to events, not all events are, are kid friendly. And I understand that, Yes, yes, they, yes, yes. you know, they are he is a part of the donation process. You know, I give him kind of like his own little budget, you know, and I say, here's what we can, here's what we can spend. And he gets to choose where it goes and, and, and to what program and project. And it is so enlightening to see his little eyes and his face light up knowing that he's helping someone else. I think that's just so precious. I mean, again, and he's, he's only 10 now, but I mean, you've been, you know, he's been in this for years with you. So talk about, I mean, it's going to be so, so embodied and ingrained in him. And as you see, what a lovely gift. Um, and I love what you're saying there, Jarrett, around, I think we can all notice, right, when that scarcity mindset can creep in. And, yes. and it's often not even related. It's not related necessarily to, to food stamps or a number in the bank account, right? I mean, it can be that just that mindset and that place of feeling, you know, constrained or restricted. And I love what you said about, you know, really using that as a practice to notice that mindset and then really look at where can you turn it around? Mm -hmm. You know, where can you actually make a, a small donation, a contribution, something, as you say, something in kind, um, something- Even your just time. Right, like again, time, talent, and treasure. It doesn't have to be a check and it doesn't yes. have to be a product. It could be you literally being of service by rolling up your sleeves or offering, you know, your ability of, of talent to someone else. Yeah. I think something else that you touched on, and I'm, I'm kind of laughing because you, you know, giggling to myself because you were actually there at the event when this happened to me. But it, for me, it's like a perfect demonstration of it is the fact that. Years ago, you know, my background was in the United Nations and humanitarian organizations as well. So, you know, worked at UNHCR, considered myself very much a humanitarian as well at heart. And I remember when people used to, you know, make these big broad brush strokes of, you know, well, you know, your people that do that kind of work are very selfless and this and that. And even back then, which was quite some, you know, probably I was before my time, I remember thinking there's nothing selfless about this. Because for me, you know, selfless kind of is like you were doing it for something else. And for me, it conjures up the idea that there's nothing in return. Yet for me, when I pay it forward, or as you say, give of your three T's, it's so fulfilling. Um, as you say that you're seeing that with your son, his eyes lighting up. I mean, it just feels so expansive. And the example that I was thinking about was, of course, when you and I found ourselves at a nonprofit event a good couple of years ago now of a, a yes, very near and dear to my heart. 
And the funny story there was the, you know, saying to Robert, well, how can we add value? Because I'd been on, a, I'd actually gone on a series, been invited to a series of nonprofit events here in the Valley and making different donations. And Robert had started to like joke and tease me like, okay, we're not going to have any more like blah, blah, blahs or whatever you keep signing up for. He was like, you know, stop enough, like all these things. Right. And so that particular night, um, Robert had already said to me, no more, you know, like you keep signing up for these crazy things, you know, like, you know, oh, be yeah. careful. And so I'd, I'd consciously looked around whatever it was, the silent auction to think about what was I going to put my name on and nothing resonated, right? Nothing resonated at all. Sure. Um, and so I, you know, okay, I'm going to say it live on air. I definitely was about two glasses of wine in at this point. I'm just going to, you know, full transparency. Jarrett's sitting at the table. A lot of other people that knew me as I'm well. I'm sure I was two plus, if that makes it any better. I think we were. We were having a really, it was just a lovely so event, let's say, and we were having a lot of fun. And so my very creative idea that I kind of whispered to Robert of, this is how we're going to help because I'd been to so many of these, I said, we'll raise the bit. That's how we'll help, Robert. That's my contribution tonight. And in my head, right, I'm like, okay, it's my way of helping. I know how this works. We'll, you know, we're, we're kind of dressed up, so it'll be good to raise the bid. And they have a puppy that they are, you know, raising funds for at the end of the evening. And I had seen that happen at a couple of other events and I'd seen the crazy prices that these puppies go for. So I was like, I know, I, I've got this. And of course, two glasses of wine and I'm super confident. And that was one of those evenings where I came home with the puppy. <laughs> Winston that night, absolutely. So Winston, so Winston came into my life that night. And it's one of those stories that, you know, A, I say on the funny side of you, have you ever seen one of these crazy women that, you know, raises her hand and raises the paddle and actually walks away from a, you know, charity event with a puppy? I did that. And, 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 and. And it was your best decision because what a joy. The joy. I mean, that dog, as you know, we're kind of, I think we're about two years on from that moment. Um, Yes, he did end up being a bit of a pricey dog. <laughs> That's the reality. However, I mean, you know, we we got so much, right? So yes, it was. A, it ended up being an amazing donation to the organisation. Again, it's near and dear to our hearts, and we got so much from it. Now, again, I know that that's a you know a kind of a, an extreme example. You don't always have to give back and come home with a puppy in the way that I did. And my kids thought we were insane. They're like. <laughs> What do you mean you went out dressed up in a cocktail dress and daddy was in a tuxedo and you came home with a puppy? Came home with a puppy. That's right. Came home with a puppy. Um, but I think, again, it's uh, to your point, it feels so good. Mm -hmm. I, it feels really good to generate more success for ourselves, more wealth for ourselves so that we can, right? So that we've got that freedom of being able to, as I say, donate to the causes close to our own hearts. Well, and I think too often women business owners, you know, we think we don't need that much. We only need X. We need to, we need to make sure that we are okay. We have a little bit of cushion, but we limit our beliefs to think that this is enough, right? But what if 
so much more was possible. What would you do with that possibility, right? And so for me, and especially the clients that I work with in the nonprofit sector, that scarcity mindset is everywhere. But yeah. it's really breaking beyond that and knowing the great, the goodness that you can do with more. You know, it doesn't mean that you become a bitch because you're now rich, right? It's like, no, look at these opportunities. I now have greater opportunities to serve my community, to show up and to, you know, help the humanitarian efforts that maybe believe, you know, you believe so strongly in. And um, I just think it, it provides that wonderful opportunity. Yeah. Quickly go back. I am curious because obviously you are going to be bumping up against that scarcity mindset in, inside of nonprofits. And again, for a lot of people listening, I mean, I, I've, you know, other people that have said, oh, I'd love to do work in the nonprofit world, but I mean, they don't have budgets. They don't pay for these sorts of things. We happen to know that that's absolutely not the truth. What are some of the ways that you've worked with nonprofits to really help them build a more expansive growth mindset and kind of get out of their own way of that scarcity thinking? One of the big buzzwords in the nonprofit side right now is capacity building. And that means investing in infrastructure, investing in software and systems to help, you know, level up where you currently are. Um, I won't say the organization name, but I did just help to approve a $75,000 deficit budget. And that is unknown of, um, or really unheard of, right? Our sector, but why would you do that? Well, deficits happen for two reasons, intentional or accidental, right? Intentional is we are deciding, we are making this concerted effort that it is time to invest in our systems. It is time mm -hmm. to invest in ourselves so that we can get to that next level, right? So really going through these conversations, and they're not easy. It takes a lot of courage to go through these conversations, Vanessa, um, because we're dealing with high profile individuals that know exactly what you know a large deficit might do to their organization, but they also realize the value of that investment. Right. And I literally had one board member say, I am so glad that we are doing this. We have been waiting so long to get to the next level. It is time to make this investment. Mm, like good. mind blown, Vanessa. So again, for all of us out here, like if you think the nonprofit sector, you know, it's due time to do something differently give of your time, give of your resources and be involved in these decisions. So capacity building is really big. You know, it's not just for those of us that are business owners, like we have to invest in having a coach to get to that next level. Mm. We have to invest in additional systems, additional software, additional, you know, workforce capital, like people Absolutely. to get to that next level. Um, and so that, that capital expense and the infrastructure is really big right now. Yeah. Great stuff. Really great stuff. Yeah. I want to, you know, again, start to wrap this up with a couple of just quick questions for you. Sure. And today, you and I haven't spoken for a while, so I'm curious, but finish the sentence, Jarrett. Being rich means Oh, being rich means um, having the ability and opportunity to live your life with an all access pass. 
Um, I was just telling you last year this time, I was in Banff in Canada and I indulged in, you name it, right? The wine, the bison, the martinis, the, uh, the ski opportunities, the hot springs, right? And so that to me was such a rich lifestyle. It's not something you daily, but I understand um, and I appreciate having the opportunity and the all access to those indulgent moments. So that felt so rich to me. So good. And I always remember you talking about that all access pass, which I just think is such a lovely (laughs) metaphor, right? Because at the end of the day, we think about it through the lens of the all access pass, right? I mean, if I was to think about that through Disney. Oh, yeah. I've been there for a while. But the reality is I could have all access, but there there are things that I just don't want to go on, right? There's certain roller coasters, for example, that just make me feel really sick. So they're not going to be my thing. And I I think it really resonates. Absolutely. With like, what is your all access pass? We talked, right? I'm a big glamping. You're more into our camping. You're more into glamping. So it's not a one size fits all. What is your all access pass? And what does that like allow you access to? Yeah, that one's juicy. Everyone needs to be writing that one down because that is, I just think that's so good. All access pass. And what would it look like for you, right? Really? What would that look like? So good. Um, best $100 you've spent recently and why? Oh, best $100 I spent. I, I had to think a little bit about this one. Um, I recently participated in a financial challenge. Um, dare I say the names, but with fiscal fitness of Kelsa. Yes. Yeah. And it was an investment in my money, right? And so it gave me additional clarity to my own numbers, which I learned from you, know your numbers, get comfortable with your numbers. Um, So this was like I said, here's a hundred dollars It's a little shy of a hundred dollars. But here's a hundred dollars that I am am committing to going deeper into my own assets, my own wealth, my own financial decisions. How how might I play bigger for my life, how might I, you know, change some things that would make some subtle adjustments, but a really big impact. So I'm going to say that $100 that I invested into knowing more clarity into my own numbers, by far the best. <laughs> huge, absolutely yeah. huge, right? So empowering, absolutely so empowering. And then what advice would you give? And especially, you know, somebody, I mean, that they could be hearing your story today of, you know, you're on food stamps, right? In that moment in the grocery store, right. the checkout. And somebody that's perhaps working really hard, hustling, wanting to take it to the next level. As you've said mm-hmm. yourself, you're driven, you're goal-focused, right? You weren't going to let your current circumstances define you. But somebody else that might be listening in right now that's in a similar, they don't have to be on food stamps per se, but it kind of a similar stuck position. What right. gems of wisdom would you share with them today, Jarrett? I'm going to share, um, and this is, this is not because you've asked me to, Vanessa, but I'm going to say get a coach, right? Like get someone that holds you accountable. Um, you're able to share transparently and authentically. I hope that you're able to do that. That's who I am at my core. I'm a very transparent, very authentic, um, no filter kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I think once you really get honest with yourself and honest with your coach, right, 
that's when you get to the next level because you're then able to really find your clarity and to find that moment of change um, to build some really cool systems and to see how your all access pass evolves. So I'm going to say, you know, work with a coach. I offer that to my nonprofit clients and it has meant the world of difference to them. Um, and I love seeing that. And I tell them all the time, I too have a coach, right? Invest in yourself, invest in a coach uh, to get you to where you want to go. So important, right? And even if at this point you don't even have the time, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, is not some of the knowledge is don't have the time, don't have the resources. I mean, you know, financial um, there are so many good books as well, right? As you say, you know, or even a conversation with somebody that really has your back, right? Somebody that you trust that has your back. And I think there again, Jared, what you said is so key. You got to be honest, right? It all starts with self-honesty, self-honesty with yourself around what you want, um, sharing that with somebody else that truly has got your best interests at heart. And, and this, there is no limit. There is no limit. And I remember doing so many exercises with you and some other workshops thinking, oh my gosh, am I thinking too far? Am I being braggadocious? Am I being, you know, like gluttonous here? And it's like, no, this is my dream. This is what I envision. This is what my lifestyle looks like and go there. Like, visually, physically, emotionally, go there to those thoughts to create what does that look like? And be yeah. very honest. Beautiful. And actually, that's going to be a great way to kind of close the circle here, because we were talking about, you know, you started out in food stamps. That wasn't that many years ago. No, right? I still it, have the card to remind me. Right. It is not that long ago. Where are you at today? What oh advice, and particularly financially, where are you at today? I am in new tax strategies that I never knew existed. So I have a financial advisor that walks me through this, right? Um, I just met with an estate planning attorney to make sure that I got everything. I have all of my, I don't know, all the stuff, all the adulting things that you're supposed yes. to have in order, right? Like I am taking those steps. And so I'm really getting myself, um, my child, my family, uh, not only taking care of today, but for the future. So really in a great place, uh, find myself with a little bit more space in my calendar, which feels so good because that allows me that freedom, flexibility, travel, right? And then it also allows me what I've been preaching today, really the ability to be of service to my community in ways that weren't really accessible for me or affordable because I had to hustle and I was in that grind mentality. So thank you for asking. It's, um, it's a beautiful life that anyone can create. Oh, I love that. It's so inspiring. I mean, literally from food stamps to, as you said, new tech strategies that you don't even know what the heck they are, but that you've, you know, you've just turned things around. And again, role modeling that so beautifully for your little guy as well. Jarrett Ransom, the nonprofit nerd. I know. I didn't it's even wear them much. Glasses. Here's my spectacles again. Yes, I love to mine on the whole time. I'm unfortunate at that age. If I took them off, you'll be very blurry. So <laughs> it is always a delight. Thank you so much for sharing as well. We'll also make sure that we've got links here 
at the podcast as well beneath you know this you'll be able to connect if you're running a nonprofit, want to know anything more about this look into Jarrett's services please 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 connect with her and again from my heart to yours thank you Jarrett, and thank you for everything that you do just to make the world a much better place thank you thank you it's my honor and thanks for having me here today always good